I want to discuss the first the general law, which I don't know enough about, honestly. I mean, I didn't, I never read the law um, in the original inside. Only see the quoted, and as you know, I don't trust things quoted. But um, so I, I haven't actually read the full law. Shelley, are you an Astros fan by any chance? No. Okay, just making sure. How would you think that? <laughs> just. Uh, All right, look at my spirit. Nice. Um, Ron is the only uh, are you a Philly fan? No, Astros Steelers. all the way. Okay. That's um, obvious, just like the abortion issue. <laughs> okay, so uh, so just so just to to understand a little about why it's controversial, because it seems like we have to explain what the controversy is about. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna explain a little. Uh, the 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 problem is as Jews. We're always, um, I don't know what the word is to use, but I guess as Ron said, they're, they're, Judaism is not a black and white religion, if you haven't figured that out by now. Um, we're very nuanced and very much a case-by-case -case basis. So we're, we're almost never, we're society, almost all issues, not just medical issues, or medical ethics issues, but uh, in almost every social issue, although some Jews like to think we fit in in very in certain political circles, or we don't. Um, it really is never like that. We never, we really don't fit with any specific party in the U.S. Most of the Jewish views don't fit in one party or the other. Um, and when it comes to social norms or social justice norms or whatever you, however you want to call them, I don't know what the current lingo is. Um, we, we usually, Judaism does not fit into any one box. We very much do not hold, usually, at the, like the extreme right, and we do not agree with the extreme left. We're almost always somewhere in the middle. So it's very hard to take a position and say, uh, let's say, especially in a case like this, Texas, as we're going to see, there's so many nuances, um, to say very clearly Judaism agrees with the law, doesn't agree with the law, is almost, it's very hard to say that. Um, either side. I think there are certain aspects of the law that Judaism, halachic Judaism, might say we do agree with, and there are certain aspects of the law that halachic Judaism will say we clearly don't agree with. Someone's trying to get in. So, so it's very important to understand that, generally speaking, <coughs> we are always um, centrists. Um, not, again, I'm not, the f I'm not talking about Jews, I'm talking about Judaism. Jews are never centrists. Um, Jews are, are always extre are one, one extreme or the other. Um, so again, I, as I always say, do not define um, Judaism by Jews. Jews and Judaism usually have nothing to do with each other. Um, so therefore, what's important to know is we're, gonna, we're talking today strictly from a halachic viewpoint um, and not, again, um, sh there's, there's a different question. Politically, should we as, as a Jewish community, come out against the law? Should we be fighting um, against the law pub in a public way? Should we not be fighting against the law? And that, maybe that, again, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't have an answer for that question. <coughs> um, but it might depend on what we come out at the end of this session or sessions on what the Torah's view is on, on abortion or a halachic view of abortion. Um, again, with all its nuances. So the Texas law is very 
non-nuanced, which is automatically a problem for us as Jews, because as we know, the end of the day, as Ron mentioned, there's always going to be, there's going to be uh, loopholes and exceptions in every Jewish law, um, and Texas law doesn't really make um, any any provisions for those loopholes. So automatically, I mean, on the, on the front of it, it would seem, and that's what I thought originally, it would seem like the Texas law is, is not going with halacha in any which way, but at, at the end I did find, or again, I didn't see it in the original, so I'm just quoting, unfortunately, from the New York Times um, when they discussed the law. But I, I did, two things I want to say is, the one is, there is actually a provision, because as we know, Judaism um, just to get to the chase before we get to all, before we start from the beginning and all the sources. But as we know, the bottom line is if the mother's life is endangered, of course, halacha not only might say um, you may you, abortion is permitted, but even might require the mother to have an abortion um, in certain cases. So, um, so does Texas allow that or not? So, from what I've seen again so far, just quoting the the. This is from the New York Times, actually, a few days ago, where they had a breakdown of the law. It says, this is, uh, does the law make exceptions for pregnancies resulting from rape or incest or to protect the life of the mother? This is referring to the Texas abortion law. And it says like this. Again, I don't know if this is correct. I don't always trust the New York Times, but we, in this case, we're going to have to go with them here. The law does not, says the New York Times, the law does not make exceptions for rape or incest. It does permit abortions for health reasons. But the exceptions are narrowly drawn, allowing a termination only if the pregnancy can endanger the mother's life or lead to substantial, quote, this is their quote, the New York Times quoting the law, substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function. Miss Nash noted. I have no idea who Miss Nash is. Okay, so the Texas law does make provisions. Again, I'm just going to read it again. Shelley, it's very important for the... Um, for, to understand this, just to listen to this law. The Texas law does make provisions um, allowing termination um, only if the pregnancy can endanger the mother's life or lead to substantial and irreversible impairment of a major bodily function. Okay, which I'm not sure what... Which I assume does not include the brain. That's not a major bodily function for, for most people in Texas, you say? Well, that may also be true, but it's interesting that they're not, in, it's supposedly, by your words and by the quote, does not seem to include mental health. Yes, okay. Oh, that's what you mean by brain. Okay. It's a brain injury. It does um, not include mental health. Right. So, so, uh, so just to finish the New York Times, and we'll get, and that's a very important point you bring up. Well, let me just finish the quote from the Times so we can get that out of the way. These are very narrow exceptions, she said, and the language does not cover every instance in which a woman's health might be at risk. Nonetheless, she added, health provider, quote, health providers will be very conservative about interpreting the law because they don't want to cross a line, end quote. Okay, so, so uh, again, I'm not sure this, I don't know, this woman, Miss Nash, is who they're quoting, but she's saying it's very narrow exceptions. The fact that they are allowing, um, there is an exception for the mother's life, or again, substantial and irreversible um, damage to major bodily functions is a very big step, for Texas at least, in that sense. And we, at least we have to uh, run, run and say no, it's not a big it's step. completely pathetic. Why are we saying that that's a, it's a wonderful step? That's no, terrible. no, I'm saying is... 
why is that terrible? It's, they're making, they're they're making. No, it's meaning they're the, saying the, they're saying that if a woman's heart or lungs or kidneys or pancreas are irreversibly damaged, then it's okay. Wow, that's that's good. I know. Yeah. Well, first of all, that's something. Listen, you got to take what you can get. I'm just, I'm just. No, no, no. Listen, listen. Again, we're not arguing whether it's a good law or bad law. Again, we're just focused on the halachic aspect. So what I'm saying is. In the sense of the, because one of the key arguments I've seen by some rabbis in Texas, um, non-orthodox rabbis who have written articles uh, um, in the press, so what I've seen their argument is um, that this is, this is a, the argument is that it's going against the Jewish religion, that the law is going I against agree the Jewish it religion. Is. So we don't know yet what the, we haven't said what the Jewish religion. Just, what I'm saying is. It's very hard to say you're suppressing religious freedoms when they are making allowances for the same thing that Allah makes allowances for. Now, are they missing some stuff? Wait, it is an allowance. Of course it's an allowance. You're saying it's not enough of an allowance. Don't say it's not an allowance. 5% of what Halakha might allow. Okay, we don't know that yet. We didn't learn the Halakha yet. The last time we did it was in 19... um, No, sorry, uh, 2006. The last time we discussed it, and I don't remember what we said. It could be if you, if you remember. But the bottom line is, I'm saying I'm, I'm not. Listen, I'm not saying it's a good law. God forbid. What I'm saying is, is they are. I originally when I heard about it, everyone was saying there's no allowances. Now that I've seen this, there is some allowances. So there's something to work with, um, in the sense of maybe now we can fix the law and make it more uh, allow more allowances. We have to figure that out. Uh, of course, they're not. There's no question um, that they're not covering uh, many cases where halacha would allow an abortion. Without question, I agree with you, Ron. And that's bad. Um, well, I'm not sure yet. We'll talk about that. But but let's assume that they're not. It's not. It doesn't fit with the halachic criteria. Okay. Now, it's not going to cover cases, let's say, where the mother's long-term health would be severely compromised, as you're saying. But um, but it's not, as they put it. Um, substantial, okay, that would be one case maybe where we have to see what Allah says in those cases. And as, and as Ron mentioned, it's not covering psychological damage where, as we're going to see, um, there is um, room in halacha in some cases to even if, if there will be psychological damage, that might be sufficient to allow an abortion. So yes, it clearly does not address those cases. Um, but even Allah, as we're going to see, that's very it's controversial and it's very nuanced. How that how is that applicable? Okay, that's the problem. Whenever you're making, uh, and again, this is just a contrast, the difference between halacha and um, secular law. The secular is seldom nuanced. Halacha, especially when it comes, by the way, to abortion, as Ron pointed out, is very nuanced and very much case particular. Um, so that's so that's important thing to note. So, in any case, there's, there's there's a lot of problems with this law. No questions. Yes. Text is available online. The full text. That's what I was looking at. I'm sure it is. I just didn't get a chance to look at it. It says about the mother, it says the law does not apply if the physician believes that a medical emergency necessitates the abortion or the medical condition of the pregnant woman that prevents compliance with this subchapter. Subchapter? Say that last word again. With this subchapter. 
In other words, if the woman has some medical condition that uh, necessitates an abortion, so either there's a threat, immediate threat to life, or there's a, uh, a med- the mother's medical condition requires an abortion. Okay, so, so that's it's a pretty big loophole. It's a pretty big loophole. Yeah, that's more than the New York Times is giving them. They're saying. Well, I looked at the text. I don't trust right. the New York Times or any other press for that matter. Right. So, so again, so okay, so we have to really look at that language and questions. What could be included in that? Could you even maybe include psychological um, threat to the mother? I don't know. That would. What? Who knows? Just as the medical condition of the pregnant woman. That prevents compliance with this subchapter. So it could, I suppose. I mean, that, that would have to be. And you can make that argument. Yeah, you'd have to make that argument. By the way, the Supreme Court, you know, is yesterday agreed to look at, I think, the Texas abortion law. Um, I think is that true. Did anyone else hear this? Or am I making this up? No, I heard it too. So the Supreme Court yesterday took on uh, two abortion cases that they said they will take. Uh, one of them being the Texas abortion law. Okay, so another one, Mississippi, where they have a 15-week rule. They're much broader than Texas. Right. Okay, so again, so we're we're not discussing politics here, although I'm I'm sure we will. But uh, but I'm saying the goal is again to see if this law. Um, fits with halach criteria or, or not. It seems like they are coming a little short, and just in the sense um, they don't mention psychological health of the mother. That alone would would be less than halach allows. Ron, go ahead. Why don't we make the first statement, which are the obvious one, which is incest and rape? All right. So, so that's where we're going to get it. We're going to see that that's not in itself a permission for abortion in halach. And what's meaning it would depend on the psychological damage that it would cause to the woman and how severe that would be. So that's where it's nuanced. That's You're telling me that rabbis in a, de- a Beit Din would no, not Betin. authorize an abortion for rape or incest unless there is a certifiable medical condition declaring that they are psychologically impaired or they could become the incest and rape. Yes, meaning exactly. Meaning again, the only. There goes electricity. Uh, Ron, you have to say that. Um, so the... the, uh, the that God voting? <laughs> no, I think it's the atmospheric pressure, actually. But, uh, but um, the, the point being is, yes, Ron, exactly what you said. Not... Listen, depends, obviously, on who the rabbi is and, and which denomination and... But, um, but the halachic issue, again, there has to be, as you said so nicely, a certifiable, um, or at least a suffix, that this will cause a, a, a endangerment to the mother's health. Okay, so that, yes, we need a psychiatrist to evaluate the, the woman and to you make a decision. A Listen. You don't no. need a psychiatrist. No. A woman will tell you. No. Oh, yes, but a woman can say, or a man for that matter, can say, this is going to affect my psychological health. It's like anything. We, we need a medical opinion. That's why we have medical professionals to give medical opinions. We don't trust... Uh, if you we trust other people to give their own personal medical opinions, uh, many people would not be getting the vaccine as we see today in the United States. So therefore, we go with the medical opinion, not with the lay person's opinion when it comes to medical issues in Allah. Uh, 
So therefore we need a medical opinion to ascertain that there's a danger to life, just like in a physical case. And if the woman, there's a physical threat to her life, we don't just say, she comes in and says, yeah, I decided that this is making me not feel well and, and therefore is a physical threat to my life. No, we need to have a clear medical opinion with an ultrasound and whatever it is telling us that there is a threat to this woman's life. Go ahead, Manny. You don't need uh, a medical opinion, you don't need psychological help. The uh, criteria for halakha. I need psychological help. Don't tell me I don't need psychological you need, help. The criterion is public shame. Yeah, but again, that. It's not psychological. Okay, one second. First of all, that, I mean, no one has to know always what happened. In many cases, people don't know what happened. So there's no necessarily public shame. Again, but public shame is not a reason to allow an abortion. It is yes. if. That's your opinion. I'm glad you have your opinion. But the halachic uh, opinion is you don't have facial hair. I got the facial hair. Man, okay. you got to grow some facial <laughs> you know hair. You know the reason why a woman is aborted before she's executed. Yes, that's the dignity. Public shame. Yes. yes, so that's a good point. We'll get there. That's one of the sources. But the, my point is we need to ascertain that this shame will endanger her psychologically. That's the point. Okay, so we need an opinion on that. We need a professional opinion. We can't... Are we describing women as property here? Or as no, it's nothing to do with property. What, I don't understand. It's one second. Ron, 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 Ron. Ron. Okay, so let's start from scratch. Shelly, one second. I'll get to you. Shelly, I just want to make a very important point because we're missing the point there. Let me start from scratch, which I I'm probably... I, I should have started with that. Judaism is very clear. Um, males, females, I'm not saying Judaism is not sexist, but in this particular context here, we're gonna, there's nothing to do with sexism. Um, the, the point is, Judaism's view, as in if you don't know that after 15 years of this class, or 20 years, whatever it is, 22 years, Judaism's view is very clear. We've stated it many times, which is that we do not have the right to make medical decisions about our bodies. Male, female, unisex, LGBT, it doesn't make a difference. We, we, don't make, we don't get to make, we don't own our bodies. Our bodies ourselves is not a true statement, male or female. It's not an anti-feminist statement, God forbid. We, the males also do not have any right to make decisions over their body. If there's a danger to their life, then they have to do whatever it takes to take get rid of that danger. If there's no danger to their life, then they have to keep the halacha that requires whatever the halacha requires about their bodies. So there's not it's nothing to do with you know viewing it as property. Yes, it's God's property. Yes, Ron, you bring up a very good point. Our bodies are property; they're God's property, and therefore, Jewish the Jewish view is we don't get to make decisions about our own bodies. Hashem does, the halacha does, the Torah tells us what to do with our bodies. So yes, we are treating not just women like property, but also men and animals and everyone else is, everything is owned by Hashem and therefore we don't get to make those decisions. Now Allah tells us when we're allowed to mutilate our bodies, when we're allowed to um, take away a potential life, well all these questions are decided by Allah, not by us. And therefore when it comes down to it, we need, but us rabbis don't usually know in many cases, will this affect the woman, what the health, what's the long-term health effects, whatever it is. So therefore they need a medical decision to help them come to the conclusion of where 
um, of where they're going to be, of, of how to make that decision of what halacha to apply to Allah. So yes, I agree with you, Ron. We're agreeing here. You're just you just don't like what <laughs> the Jewish view is, which is fine. But we're I think we're agreeing that yes, we're treating our bodies as property, a hundred percent. Not women. It's nothing to do with women. Don't get caught up on women. Yeah, Shelley, go ahead. Sorry. Sir, in another way, the fault position in Judaism is no abortion unless there's a reason to commit an abortion. So if you take the case of incest and rape, women are going to react differently to that particular circumstance. For example, in this day and age, a husband can be accused of rape. And the woman may say, well, you know, it's my husband. I want to go in and have the pregnancy and carry the term. I think if I understand what you're saying, in that circumstance, the bet din cannot come in and say, no, just because you were raped, you must have an abortion. Oh. First of all, there's no bet in here. I want to clarify. It's not about a bet right. It's just a regular application of the Allah. A rabbi cannot yeah. say, you must have an abortion because you're raped. And the woman says, I don't want to have an abortion. Well, again, if the rabbi, based on medical, on, uh, medical opinion, thinks that having, bring that baby to full term will have a, a, a detrimental effect, a very severe detrimental effect on the woman or her family, yes, they might tell her that. If, the woman, if he determines, well, a woman really seems to want to have this baby, he can't insist on her having divorce just because she was raped. Yes. Meaning, again, rape itself is not a reason to allow an abortion. It has That's to be with the, with the uh, consequences of that rape, which is in many cases, and, and many cases it's allowed, that the, it's going to have uh, a severe effect on this woman's mental health. That's the case where it's allowed. So rape itself is not the allowance. It's the, it's the consequences of, of the woman's health. Now, so just to finish that point, women have a variety of interpretations about rape which can have very detrimental consequences. Some women say... Yeah, but it's irrelevant. One second, wait. Shelly, what I'm saying is rape, the, def, the, the word rape is irrelevant to the halachic issues of abortion because it's nothing to do with the rape. And that, I'm just trying to explain why the psychological part is important. Some women can say, well, this is a bad man who forced me to have sex with him. That's the end of it. You know, I'm not going to... I want to have that baby. Other people... Other women might never have a relationship with a man the rest of their life. So the psychological range of responses to a rape is all over the map. That's why you do need, it's not automatic rape equals abortion. Yes, yes that's what I'm saying. I, um, uh, this, yeah. Rabbi, sorry, there's a difference. Uh, uh, we're not discussing that the woman at this stage, there is another uh, place to discuss it, that the woman is commanded to have an abortion. We're talking only, I presume, at this stage, where, where if a woman requests abortion, it's allowed. Well, there's no. both. We mentioned both, Manny. I don't know if no. you're... Yeah, but I mean... It, it no, no, meaning, Manny, Manny, listen. The baby. No, no, but there are cases where we might require, let's say in a case where the, by bringing by bring this pregnancy to full term, the woman's life would seriously be endangered. She can't get chemo. She, a woman has cancer and she's pregnant. The doctors say, we can't get... Uh, listen, we can't administer Why? chemo. Listen, Why? listen, listen, Why? listen. Why? Listen to me a sec. Yes, the question. I'm trying to answer your question. Then you will respond. I didn't ask a question. I was making a correction. Yeah, right, so I'm saying so. I'm saying your correction is wrong because, again, in a case where there is a clear danger to the woman's life, she might be obligated to have an abortion. Correct. Okay. Even in Roe versus Wade. Okay, I don't. I don't know. I don't know anything about Roe versus. Yeah, well, that's, uh, it's before I was born. Roe versus Wade would be in good shape. 
Okay, um, NATO, you're being very awfully quiet here. We need some female input. Every Lydia. woman has the right to choose what she's doing with her own body. Period. End of discussion. Uh-huh. And in fact, most of the halakha, if you reveal it, will say that that's the case. It gets a little bit dicey, you know, beyond 32 weeks, but up until 32 weeks, it's not dicey at all. Uh, I don't fully agree with what you're saying. Two things. I just want to say. Yes, does a woman have a right to choose? Yes, one second, wait. Does a woman have a right to choose? A hundred percent. We have a right to choose uh, anything. The question is, does Allah say it's permitted or prohibited? Listen, a person has a right to choose to do whatever they want with their their life or their bodies. That's not the issue here. The question is, what does Allah say you should do in that scenario? That's the question we're discussing. That's why I'm waiting to hear the uh, the Halakha, because I think most of it will substantiate what Ron and I have been saying. Yeah, okay, we'll get there, but we're still in the introduction. You know, it's going to take another four sessions till we get. you got to have patience. <laughs> I, I have plenty of patience. Okay. That's why I kept quiet. Okay. Ron is my spokesperson. Wow, nice. You signed him up, Ron. Nice job. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, but, but I do agree with you. Up until 40 days, most halachic opinions will say there's very little issues. I, I do agree with that last statement you said. So, yes, many. I don't know what Nader thinks about Roe versus Wade. I mean, that is... We're not debating politics here. Yeah, We're no, talking no, halacha. That, I mean, that was until now the, the standard. And the, all, right, oh, I, I have my, all right, wait a minute. I have my Astros t-shirt on today. But if you want, I'll go to the closet and dig out all my uh, Roe v. Wade and other uh, pro-choice t-shirts. Wow. Uh, unequivocally supportive of a woman's right. So do I. Okay, by the way, that's something we need to, which eventually I want to get to. It might take time. Um, because, because we're going to start with the halachic sources. Um, on all these concepts, then um, there's many of them. And by the way, as Nader just mentioned, there's v- even in, in as within Judaism and even within halachic Judaism, there's a plethora of opinions. It's very not clear. There's nothing explicit in the Torah or in the Talmud really sp- specifically addressing this. It's all taken from you know ancillary sources. We, we extrapolate what the law is, and of course, there's many. A, a large range of opinions that go all the way from calling it murder, according to Moshe Feinstein, that abortion is considered murder, it's a full life, all the way up to... Abortion is or isn't? Is, according to Moshe Feinstein. He's actually one of the minority opinion, um, but he's very strong about it. That's not the regular opinion. Okay, but I'm just showing you. So there's, there's even within halacha, it's very confusing. And there's so many different stages, as Nate is mentioning, there's up to 40 days, there's up to six, up to three months, up to six months, full term, you know, partial birth abortion, there's all these various nuances, so, and it's very confusing. So, yes, Shelley. Well, one of the interesting things about this law, it doesn't give a weak uh, pregnancy, it says when a fetal heartbeat... Right, so there's no number associated with which... Almost certainly, in all cases less than 40 days. Well, um, they say it's around uh, 40 well, it's, days. I thought, it's, you know, I thought it depends I how you look, and this is part of the rule of the law, right? 
it's part of the consideration. If you use transvaginal ultrasound, which is more sensitive than an ultrasound in the abdominal wall, you can pick up a heartbeat as early as three or four weeks. Using abdominal ultrasound, about six weeks, which is 36 days. So, I mean, in one way, you could say there's a very permissive law in, in accordance with halacha because before the heartbeat, which is before 40 days, you know, no problem. So in one sense, it's a very permissive law in accordance with halakha. Yes. I wonder if anyone's going to challenge the law if, in fact, there is no fetal heartbeat, because that has that happens. Yes, that uh, you're right. So you could go into the fifth month and still not have a fetal heartbeat. Would abortion be permitted? I don't think it? Greg Abbott would allow it. How does it work? What does that mean after in the oh, fifth month? It's not viable. Yeah, so yeah, then it's not a lot. I mean, then it's not. I mean, but you're still pregnant. Mm. Well, the important point is you're relying on a technology, and the technologist who's performing the ultrasound—that's a problem right away. Suppose, suppose they miss it. You know, suppose they miss the heartbeat, and someone goes back and reviews and says, "There it was at six weeks. Now it's eight weeks in, forty-eight days. You know, or fifty-six days, whatever." Yes. So yeah, it's 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 interesting that there is no number. They didn't put a number on it. Nobody's going to stop you from getting rid of a dead fetus. Uh, you'd not be surprised there. in Texas. That's not, it's not it's not a it's not a, it's not a yeah. Um, okay, I'm not sure you're right. That you know, but Texas, nothing shocks me anymore. You can't, you can't keep, it's dangerous to keep a dead fetus. You no, but they're not. Greg Abbott would make you keep a dead fetus. Oh, please. Well, yeah. Don't say that, Nader. Your future arguments get uh, tainted. Alan, go ahead. Okay, I decide to uh, Nader's uh, comment. If there's no heartbeat by the fifth month, and it's been proven there's no heartbeat, it's very, you, got, you must consider that the woman has a hydatidiform mole, which is a cancer, and you've got to investigate. So none of this stuff about uh, after 20 weeks. There's no heartbeat, because you can hear a heartbeat, or you can pick it up on a monitor. But the, the mole, uh, there's no baby. It's a, it's a cancer of pregnancy, and you got to get rid of that, or else... Uh, Are you saying, Alan, that... Alan, by the way, was an OBGYN back in the day, before he became a lawyer. Um, he... Are you saying that that there's no... It's not possible to not have a fetal heartbeat at five months? Um, it's possible that you can't hear with a stethoscope, but you're going to see it and see a heart and hear hear the beat with a uh, ultrasound. Uh, by my, what Alan is saying, pardon me if I'm interpreting, in five months, you don't hear a feel heartbeat by any sensitive means. What the woman's got is a big problem instead of a fetus. And that's and a hydatidiform mole is a big problem. So I think that's a separate issue. Where he's just telling what, saying what Nate is saying is just very, very unlike a, a viable pregnancy of five months with no heartbeat is uh, unlikely, if not impossible. Okay, so so I just want to. Or the fetus died. Yeah. You're not even talking about a pregnancy at that time. You're talking about a different medical condition. Yes. 
Okay, so so I, I wanna before we get to the sources, the halachic sources, I wanna just there's a few issues here, meaning that I, I'm just gonna introduce what I'd like to cover. Again, I, I just we're just starting this process, um, but uh, the, the question number one is again, does the Texas law in any which way um, fit with halacha or not? Um, as so far from what we've seen, doesn't seem to co- to be as broad as and make as broad allowances as the halacha allows. Um, but uh, the question becomes also what happens as a as a rabbi or a physician? Can I assist someone? Um, do I do I, as we know? But one of the things, one of the craziness of this law is that uh, you could be sued if you even advise someone, as even as a clergy, to get an abortion. Um, that's against the law and against Texas law. So that's something that um, some is of the rabbis are very concerned about. Is that addressed by halakha where citizens are deputized? Well, I don't know. What do you mean by deputized? They can't arrest you. They, they can just report you. They can sue you. Citizens are the ones that can now enforce this law, that it sort of subverts the judiciary. No, system. they can't enforce the law. They could just report you or sue you. Um, I'm saying they can put handcuffs on you and take you in. The strategy deliberately subverts the judiciary process. Is that halakhically permissible? Uh, first of all, I'm not sure what you mean. It's not subverting. It's telling you just report. You know, be a tattletale. That's all it's doing. It's not. Uh, it's not it's being a tattletale to the law, to the government. Um, it's right. not. Say, it's not subverting the judicial process. Afterwards, the there'll courts be. Are, the courts cannot be involved until it gets to the Supreme Court. There, no one can do anything because it subverts the process. Okay, I'm not sure I'm understanding what what, what you're saying, but but there's, one, one second. Yeah. If the law says you can perform an abortion if it's an emergency or a threat to the mother's life, and someone advises them in that circumstance, that's the loophole. If a rabbi says you, know, you must have an abortion because it's a threat to your life, you couldn't really sue them because it's a threat to the mother's yeah, life. Yeah, but again, that's only if it's a, it's a threat under the guidance, the I criteria of Texas law. But what the, the question is... What happens if it fits the criteria, halachi criteria, for an allowance of an abortion, but it doesn't fit the Texas criteria? Can I just ask a question, please? I want to ask you a question. The Texas law allows, we all know it allows an abortion until six weeks, right? No, there's no time until the heartbeat is detected. Okay, whichever it is, six weeks to heartbeat, a given time, the heartbeat, okay? Now, until that time, an abortion is allowed. Correct. Yes. Until that time, it can't be an offense for anybody to say to a woman, have abortion or suggest have abortion. Yes. Or say, don't have an abortion. That's got nothing to do with the law. Uh, everything lawful starts after that time. Yes. So therefore, what? we know that. Yes. Uh, just getting the parameters yes. clear. Yes. 100%. But, but it's a very uh, small window, the claim... Of the of some people's very small window to to allow because most women don't even might not even know they're pregnant by the time by that time. So well, what about if there must be scenarios where they say a doctor says I didn't hear a fetal heartbeat and it, and it might be eight weeks into pregnancy and they'll say did you do a vaginal ultrasound did you do a abdominal ultrasound just use your stethoscope you can see all sorts. Did of you put on your hearing aids in the morning? Yeah, exactly. 
So, you a deaf technician, I mean, you have all sorts of complications <laughs> that would have to be litigated. Right. That's, it's a very... It's a another question, please. Quickly. Uh, 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 is the Texas law until a uh, heartbeat or is it until six weeks? Heartbeat. heartbeat. All dependent on the heartbeat. There's no time associated with the law. Huh? There's no time associated with the law. It's just about okay. the heartbeat. Protection of the heartbeat. Yeah. Okay, so, so again, the, the question becomes, as a rabbi, this is a sticky issue, you know, where you might have cases where halachically there's allowance, but if you advise the woman, you could technically um, um, be prosecuted just for advising the woman to get an abortion in those cases. And that's where some rabbis are speaking up and saying, um, including Danny Horowitz, I believe, wrote an article I saw, um, where saying that... Uh, that um, it's it's uh, restricting the religious rights of of people in the state. Um, so which is a, is a, it's by the way it's fascinating. I was reading about it. It's a new. It's a whole new argument that the the uh, right to life people never heard before. Because here they, we're coming with their own ammunition. Their whole thing is religious. Religi we're saying, let's well, take Manny. Let me finish the sentence. We're saying that religion. No, we're coming and saying you're restricting religious freedoms by writing this law. They're saying we need this law because religiously it's prohibited to have an abortion, and we're saying no, you're restricting people who are not Catholic, you're restricting their religious freedoms. So it's a fascinating argument which they're not used to, they don't know how to answer it because because we're coming from, we're using their own ammunition. It's an interesting, uh, interesting thing okay. that's happening in Texas which hasn't happened before. Yeah. And the other thing I just wanted to mention to clear up parameters, because you're talking about different tests and everything, but at six weeks, or when the, the fetal heart starts for six weeks or two months or even three months, I, I personally have never heard a, 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 a heart, couldn't hear, detect a heartbeat with a fetal stethoscope or a stethoscope, and nor could anybody else. Okay, you're going to have to have technology of some sort if you want to hear a heart. Surely, I, I don't think you uh, 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 disagree with that. You can't hear a heartbeat at six, eight, or ten weeks with a fetal stethoscope. Alan? You're muted, Alan. Alan, you're muted. You are muted. You can't hear the heartbeat with a stethoscope before about 20 weeks. There you go. Uh, but now you can detect it with ultrasound. That's true. Shelly, yeah? I'm just hearing the parameters. The law actually pays a lot of attention to fetal heartbeat. It says fetal heartbeat means cardiac activity or the steady and repetitive rhythm and contraction of the fetal heart within the gestational sacs. You don't even have to hear anything. What it also says, it gives a definition of gestational sac, means a structure comprising the extra embryonic membrane that envelops an unborn child and that is typically visible by ultrasound after the fourth week of pregnancy. That's the only time in this law that the word weak appears. So I don't know where that's buying. Typically, fourth week. Yeah, but you know, it's saying it's typical. It's not. You have to see it. The Interesting. Halakha usually never incorporates technology into its assessment. Here, it's interesting if Halakha bends over backwards to incorporate ultrasound. Well, Texas law does. I don't know if Halakha Well, ultrasound for what? No, it's again, the heartbeat is not an issue in Halakha. It doesn't discuss, ever, no one ever discusses heartbeat or not. There is a mention that prior to 40 days, as we're going to see, is, is a mere sack of water in a different context, totally different context, it mentions that. Um, but again, it doesn't, 
happens to be, we know today that's around the time, Shelley's saying it's actually earlier, um, but that's around the time that the heart is formed, let's assume. But even though Shelley's saying it's really much earlier. Alan, what do you say? When is, when is the heart formed within a fetus? And what? So, so again, so halacha, so... Obviously, we can hear a uh, heartbeat by ultrasound by six or eight or ten weeks. The heart must form before that. Right. So, but, but again, Ron is bringing up a very good point in the sense of, you discussed many times that usually halacha does not ascribe technology. You know, if you need technology to hear something or to see something, it doesn't exist halachically. If you can't, the, again, the Torah wasn't given was given to to humans. So anytime you're you're needing something additional to ascertain a fact, um, such as in this case, we don't we can't ascertain whether there's a heartbeat or not. Uh, anyway, Halacha doesn't ascribe anything to the heartbeat. But Ron is bringing up a very valid point. Where Ron's point is relevant is is more in a case where an ultrasound is telling us um, that that this baby has some abnormalities that they're not going to make it to the end of the pregnancy or they're not they're going to be born with with this with a fatal disease that they're going to die within the first 30 days or first year or tour of their life that's where halacha will view an ultrasound because many women in those cases of course want an abortion so they come to the rabbi and they say listen we took an ultrasound the doctor's saying this baby has tay sacs or whatever it is um, something which is a fatal disease can and we want to abort the baby so that's where it, the ultrasound does come into account in, in those cases, which we'll get to, and those are very complicated also. Is that a reason? It's really not endangering the life of the mother there. The question is, again, do you, the woman says, I can't carry a baby that I know is going to die, you know, you know, soon after birth or going to suffer so much. So there's a psychological aspect based on the ultrasound. Again, it's all based on an, on an ultrasound. Um, you know, or I mean, I guess today they also have genetic testing in some cases, but it's even more technological. So we're usually halacha, as Ron's bring up a good point, won't say we take that into consideration. But in this case, they do actually. So it's, a, it's an interesting point you bring up, Ron, that the the ultrasound can tell us obviously the future health of the baby, and that's not endangering really the life of the mother, except maybe psychologically. But are we concerned about the suffering of uh, bringing a suffering baby into this world? And we could prevent that suffering. Um, is that enough of reason to, to, to allow an abortion also? Not just the health of the mother. Um, more than the health of the mother. Meaning just for this, to prevent the suffering of this child. So it's another great question which we'll get to. Yeah. Shelley. In, in this law, a technology is dispositive in the sense that if you hear a heartbreak, boom, that's the end of the story. You can't do the abortion. Whereas in halakha, technology is not dispositive. There are other rules that make the decision, not whether or not you can hear a heartbeat. Right, heartbeat, that's what I'm saying. i never seen anywhere mentioned about a heartbeat in halakha, when relevant to halakha. That's a moot point, um, as far as halakha is concerned, as far as everything I've seen so far. The heartbeat is not, a, is not in any which way a deciding factor. Um, again, it happens to be they mention this 40-day number, which in contemporary times they say, oh, happy, that's the heartbeat, you know. But, but no one, halacha doesn't make any mention of that, and they had no way of really knowing that then, that they were when the heartbeat started. That does correspond. Yes, yes, it happens to correspond, but we, we don't know if that's the reason or not. 
it's a nice thing that you know you say well, to. I mean, if, you look, if, if, if they must have examined some fetal tissue or something, but that that is about when you would see a fetal mark form. I don't, Shelly, uh, uh, I don't, I, I can't, you know, at four weeks, I don't think the actual heart is formed properly yet. Well, according to what you as early as four weeks, you might actually see contractions of a structure within the gestational sac, which could be attributed to the heart. Now, I don't know enough about it. Maybe Alan does to know whether that's really true or not. But that's what the law says. No, no, I don't think that's... Something's happening, of course. It's not going to be one day no heart, the next day a normal heart. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the law is not saying a heart. The law is saying a beating heart. Right. That's right. So, does it, so that's, that's the issue. And it's so a tube. And it's the first. It's, it's, it's on its way, but it's not there yet. Right. Now, yesterday you talked about... Um, you talked talk about a brain not working. You, you talked about... Um, there's some adults we can't uh, we can't uh, well, get a fetal heartbeat. You yeah. talked about abortion in Tay-Sachs disease, where the baby's going to die. How about abortion in the case of Down syndrome, where the kid isn't going to die? The kid's going to live 20 years or so, 30 years. Yeah. Okay. So we'll get to all those cases in a couple of weeks, okay. a couple of months, a couple of weeks. Life expectancy for Downs in the United States is about 60 years now. Yeah, I'm saying Downs. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, used to be that people were, boy, I think today most people don't, I mean, I can't speak, I don't know, it's all anecdotal, but there's not, uh, you know, many people I know bring up their Down syndrome baby, they have, you know, amazing productive lives. So, so that's a, that's a very, uh, you know, different case than Tay-Sachs. Um, okay, so we'll get there eventually, soon, we hope. Um, I'm hoping Mashiach will come before then. So I don't have to get into it, but but um, I want to share with you just to, because we're you're not really going to get to the sources today. I see, but just to show you a few things. One is um, let me try to share the screen here. Let's see. Wait a second. There's a few just to show you some of the the articles that I've seen. If you can see this here on the screen. Um, this is from the Times of Israel. Text abortion laws and assault on Orthodox Judaism. This is a, uh, an opinion piece written by an Orthodox rabbi who I happen to know, Achanan Pupko. Um, so he has a whole piece saying why as Orthodox rabbis we have to come out fighting against the Texas abortion law. Um, this is the article from Danny Horowitz saying why is against Texas abortion ban is against my religion as a rabbi. I will defy it. He's ready to get arrested. Um, it's actually a pretty accurate article. He's, he's very much... Um, he actually does say that according to most opinions. He doesn't say it in black and white terms, as most people write. So he's very honest in seemingly in, in what the potential Jewish view is. This is a... This is from the National Council of Jewish Women on yesterday, two, uh, last week, on Supreme Court decision to hear Texas abortion ban case. They're saying, of course, it's, uh, it's against everything Jewish, not that they are the definers of Judaism, but trying to give everyone a fair voice here. What else we got here? The Orthodox rabbis say why it's against his religion. One second statement, and this is from, this is from September 10th from the Rabbinical Assembly, which is the Reform Arm, saying 
why they oppose. And even them, I was, I was actually pretty impressed with their language, um, saying that, first of all, they do say, they're not also very, they're nuanced here, which is usually not their case. We learn, we says over here, we learn in Judaism that while the fetus has a special status, has potential life, full personhood does not begin a conception, which is not 100% true, there's different opinions, as I said. But um goes on to say, um, it is a law designed to restrict... Uh, I wanted to read something here. Anyway, okay, whatever. I, I thought I saw something that was important here. I don't see it now. But, uh, so th- these are some of the opinions out there. Again, um, I want to show you now something else. Let's go to some of the sources. We're going to run out of time very soon. Just two, based on what we said, this is the beginning of my handout. So it's, this is a quote from, uh, not recent, I don't know when it was, but he's still alive. This rabbi lives in Israel. Let me just move the picture here because I can't read it. Right on the bottom. Okay, it says Rabbi Lezer Malamed, um, writing in this, in this uh, book of his. He says, even when the couples decide to follow the view permitting abortion, it would be appropriate for them. So this is a very important aspect um, to understand within Judaism, as we discussed many times, that it's very much case by case basis in all areas of Allah, it's not specifically abortion, but abortion specifically because as we're saying we need to ascertain together with the medical opinion that there is a danger to the mother um, either mentally a mental de- health danger or a physical danger but he says here even the couple decide to follow you permitting abortion it would be appropriate for them to take counsel with a rabbi who deals with these issues and has been stated they may choose a rabbi whose inclination is to be lenient in these matters so that's fine you can do rabbi shopping um, that's what we call it in the, in the rabbinical field there's nothing wrong with going rabbi shopping and finding a rabbi who um, meets your criteria who you could assume first to verify that the medical opinion is trustworthy so as we know especially after two years of COVID not every medical opinion is trustworthy believe it or not I don't know if that's news to you um, it was it was eye-opening to me these past two years to, to confirm this statement second because one cannot be lenient without responsible Ellie and I have been telling you this for years. I know. I didn't believe you until these past two years. Um, as, um, second, because one cannot be lenient without responsible, without, um, this is translated from the Hebrew, bad translation, or responsible weighing of the issue for the laws established based upon many factors, such as fetal age, the type of illness, the form of abortion, the quality of the test, and the family situation. Okay, so there's, there's so many factors that go into halachic decision about an abortion. He's saying you, you, it can't be done and, the, and that's why we can't say this law is good, this law is bad, this law, because all the laws that are written are black and white and that, that's not the way halacha works. Specifically, I mean, it's by everything, but all the more so in the case of abortion, how nuanced it is and each situation is different. There's so many factors involved. Yes. Well, it's interesting that they say that this couple should just consult with a rabbi. Is there ever a consideration with halakha that the couple should, in addition, consult with a woman that might have gone through abortion in the past or have some female input? Because it seems like it's a little bit odd that you're consulting with a male about a very personal female issue. Again, they're not discussing your therapist and everything else involved in making this decision. Of course, person that's assumed that the person will be dealing with whoever they deal with to take counsel normally. But as far as the halachic concerns, they're saying 
that's where the rabbi has to come in. Uh, of course, so, there right, needs so to be a therapist. She needs to speak to her whoever her regular rabbis. So they and it doesn't say male rabbis. She, if she wants to go to a female rabbi, that's fine too. It doesn't say. Uh, I think according to this, uh, this rabbi Melamed would not agree with that statement that she could go to a female rabbi. Um, no, by the way, there is an organization in Israel called Nishmat, which specifically deals with fertility and these, all these type of issues, um, reproductive issues run by women, for women who know halacha, and you deal with them. They might then present it to certain greater rabbis who have more knowledge or, or you know, major rabbis who deal with this. But I'm saying is you, but... No, no, no. What I'm saying is, listen, the, they, some questions need... Big poskim. It happens to be that the, the law of the poskim are male. Yes, yes. But what I'm saying is that there is specifically female to female, you know, what we call yuetzat halacha, which means they advise you about halacha issues. But they, they have no legal um, halacha grounding. Like there's no substance. If they give counsel, that's wonderful. But in the end, it doesn't matter. Um, yes, the end. They will go with what the post says, 100 percent. Whatever the male says. But they have their postkin who deal specifically with these issues and are sensitive to these issues. I always say the right thing. I agree with Ron in, in principle, but in fact, this whole scheme—I don't want to call it a scheme. This whole approach has made it possible for these women to make the decisions and the rabbis are the sure whatever you said Right, so there is a system. Listen again, and I want to. I don't want to. I want to. Don't want to be intellectually dishonest here. In the Haredi Haredi world, you know, in the extreme Haredi world, they're not going to these, you know, to these women. Um, but by the way, I did see, and, I, and I'm going to try to send that. Maybe next week I'll send the link. There is a whole website after the text abortion law of Orthodox women um, who. Uh, who basically recorded messages talking about their abortions and how they work with the rabbis. Some were pissed at rabbis, some said the rabbis were very sensitive. And it's fascinating, like uh, probably 200 women giving testimonies. Um, it was a hashtag, like, you know, I don't remember exactly what it was. I'll find you. It was fascinating to see some of these testimonials from these women, um, uh, many of them hiding their faces, you know, that publicly coming out and you know they don't want to show who they are but many of them they were rape cases incest different cases where they all consulted rabbis and got various opinions and they all talk about it um, again some were not happy and some were very happy as you'll have but it, but it's you're right Ron there is I think the even in the even in the, in the Haredi world today there there's much more understanding of the sensitivities involved in in um, in reproductive issues that should be addressed by females um, again, it's it's a work in progress, as as we like to say. But I, I hear you loud and clear. And Nada, you you I always hear loud and clear. Um, okay, so so again, he ends off here. Um, so again, the, the the issue here again, to, in defense of Rabbi Malamed, he is saying just there's so many halachic nuances that when it comes to halachic issues, you need to go to a rabbi who knows what they're talking about. He says, you want to choose the lenient rabbi? That's fine. And by the way, as rabbis, we, uh, you know, I can tell you, we know always who the one to talk to is. You know, with whether it's birth control issues, all, all these type of issues, you need to know who the lenient ones are out there. But, and that's fine halachically, by the way. I saw a beautiful story about this yesterday um, where a doctor, I'm just going to end, end with the story, a uh, doctor 
um, in the States called Shlomo Zalman Orbach, who was actually a little stricter with abortion laws, and, and it was a case, I believe, of Tay-Sex, um, or Downs, I don't remember what the case was, a woman was pregnant, and, uh, and this, this the woman's doctor, who was, uh, you know, a from guy, a religious guy, called Rabbi Shlomo Zalman Orbach at the time, and, and said, listen, this is the case, this woman is, you know, it's going to be very tough on her to have this baby, and he, he, he does not allow his opinion is he does not allow aborting a Tay-Sachs baby. There is opinion, as we'll get to, of Eliezer uh, Waldenberg, the Sitz Eliezer, who does allow up to seven months of pregnancy to abort a Tay-Sachs uh, child. So this, this doctor kept on bugging him some He said, can I call you tomorrow again? Can you think about it overnight? He said, he said listen, you can call me again tomorrow. My opinion's not going to change. This is my opinion. But he, said, he said, you want to call me tomorrow again? Call me again. So when he called the next day, the doctor said, he, Shlomo Zalman told him, listen, this woman is having issues clearly. I, I can't permit this for you. My opinion is there's no heter here. But you can tell her there's another, that there's a rabbi in Jerusalem named Eliezer Waldenberg who permits this. And uh, you don't have to tell her my opinion. This is what Shlomo Zalman just to show you what a post is. And the sensitivities, they understand the sensitivities. So he said, listen, I can't permit it to you because my opinion, my halachic opinion, from what I understand, is this would be completely prohibited. But I understand there's other opinions out there, so tell the woman that there's a rabbi in Jerusalem who permits it. She can call him and, and he will allow it. Um, don't mention my opinion to her. She, hasn't, she doesn't have to go with me. You're my student. The rabbi was a student of the rabbi. He said, you have to go with my opinion because you're my student. She doesn't have, she's not my student. So, so, so there, there, it's understood that any rabbi today that's ruling needs knows that there are various opinions out there and therefore they have the prerogative to consult a person who they, who they think might fit better for this situation in the sensitivities. The woman, I think, was a, was a Balashtruval, so she had recently become religious and he felt like it would affect her, you know, she would, she would question God, etc., etc. So, so it's a, just to show you, there are, I think, listen, there are many rabbis, no question, who are very insensitive. <laughs> and... and <coughs> And uh, I wouldn't go to them with these questions, but but well, I think well, in today's day and age, um, rabbis have sensitivity training or should have, and and therefore it's it's gotten better. Again, it's a work in progress. No question, Ron.